Welcome to season two of Expert Couch Potatoes, hosted by three sports fanatics, um, discussing everything sports and for the love of the game. In this second season of the show, we will be continuing where we left off in terms of AFL and NBA discussion, whilst also talking about the summer of cricket and the upcoming Formula One season as it begins. So it's been a while since we last recorded, so I'm guessing like the rest of you boys have been up to a bit. So Shiv, what have you been up to since um, lockdown finished? Not much, mate. Just working and and having a chill. It's good that cricket season kicked in, I guess, since the last time we recorded. So after the footy season, we've been able to play every week or most weeks and being good to see the boys after a long ISO sesh. Yeah, How about you, Ashray? Yeah, same on my end, really. Just finished up uni, had exams and just got thrown to work. So been a bit busy, but it's been good to get out, play a bit of cricket on the weekends, have something to look forward to and with all the guys here as well. Shiv, Nick's, we all play together, so it's it's a good time on the weekend. But yeah, how, how's your time, Nick's? What you do over the past yes, couple of months? Same old, bro. Just playing cricket and drinking a lot. Quit yeah. my job, so got a dad bod now, drinking a lot. So that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, life. that's basically about it. Yeah, living a bum life, so it's not too bad. <laughs> but yeah, we'll cut straight to the chase. So with the NBA season being underway, nearly a quarter of the way done, um, there's been a couple of big things that have happened. The first is um, Brooklyn's big three being formed with Harden being traded to Brooklyn. So Shiv, what are your thoughts on this trade that's happened? Yeah, so when that, I guess, big trade happened where they traded Harden, I think it was a three-team trade, if I'm correct. So they got Harden at Brooklyn and then Levert and Jared Allen went to Pacers. I think there was another team. I think, oh, sorry, they went to Cavs. So there was three teams involved and also the Pacers as well. Yeah, there was actually a fair few players. I actually can't remember which which team each player went to. But when it all happened, I think I was kind of a bit devastated because I thought Karis LeVert and Jared Allen were really good bench support for the Nets. And if anything, they gave them good support while you had Kyrie and Durant on the on the court. So I was a bit disappointed. They're, they're both really good talents and it, I thought it was a bit too much for Harden. So honestly, they're kind of just throwing everything at, at I guess, their chances at the moment. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed with that given the talent that they had previously uh, what about you Nix, with that trade that just happened yeah i think it's a good get for brooklyn it probably puts them at the top of the nba championship the only knock i have on that trade is they had to get rid of their bench and now basically they have no bench and they're playing with three superstars probably the most stacked team i've ever seen but we're not yet to see whether the chemistry will work I know harden and durant will be able to get along together but i feel like Kyrie is a bit of a unknown entity there yeah, he's, he's always injury-prone and going off, taking a break here or there, taking a couple of games off just to kick it with his family or something. So it's quite unprofessional, but yeah, that's how he is. But I've heard they're also targeting some bench step with JaVel McGee. I think with Dinwiddie going down, they've got a bit more cash there, so hopefully they'll be able to make a move. But um, they have a 6-2 record since um, getting Harden into the lineup, so I think it's looking good. We'll find out more when playoffs come in, so... Yeah, that's a bit bit of a wait and see, but it's looking good for them. And what about any, I guess, new rookies that have came in? Um, I know, you know, there's been Lamelo, James Wiseman's been doing pretty well for Golden State and Anthony Edwards, or I think the Ant-Man, if I've got his name wrong, but he's been doing pretty well too. So how you been keeping up with them? And I guess who's your kind of uh, pick at the moment for Rookie of the Year, Nick's? Probably the mellow ball, bro. He's been playing a good role, averaging nearly a triple-double or like high amount of assists and rebounds and scoring double digits as well, which isn't too bad. He's been really good. I think he'll probably 
be the one to win the rookie of the year. The other two, Ant-Man and Wiseman, they've been doing all right, but they've been really inefficient. And I think uh, Wiseman's being pushed into the bench because he's defensively not there yet. But I think in the years to come, they'll probably be better than Lamelo and eclipse his current standing. But I've been keeping an eye on the other rookies that have been that have fallen further down um, in terms of the draft. So Tari's Halliburton, he's been really good recently. He's been averaging double-digit points, um, shooting the ball really well. I think like a 40% three-point percentage. And he's being a really good support for De'Aaron Fox, which is what they've needed, Sacramento. But yeah, Sacramento is still kind of shit, so <laughs> not too sure there. Another one is Tyrese Maxey, who's provided yeah. extra depth to the 76ers. And he had a game where he exploded for 36 without Simmons playing. So I think... I don't know. You, I'm assuming you also kept an eye on Maxi. What do you think of his? Yeah, ability? I think he's a good like ball handling point guard because yeah, especially when they don't have Simmons. I think especially when Simmons plays bigger for them, he's someone that can kind of play that PG position. And yeah, I think he's been playing pretty well just coming in his first year. Good hustle from what I've seen. Good defense, um, and he's he's pretty good at making his own shots. So I guess creating his own shots as well. So it's good that they have a lot of good bench support. They need that you know around Simmons. They need good shooters. So. They've been doing pretty well, actually. Um, they did have an easy start at the start of the season, the 76ers, but I think that Ross is actually looking pretty well. What do you think, you know, with them compared to, like, the other big two teams in the East with the Nets and Bucks? How do you think they're going to go? I think they look really good. Embiid's playing, like, an MVP-level player. He's doing really yeah. well. So, And um, they've actually got spacing this time around with Green and Curry coming in which have been amazing gets. And Harris actually being pushed into his natural role of um, power forward. So it's been really good. They've all had career years up to this point. And I think um, Curry is the second best percentage. ever. Three point, yeah, percentage of all time. So he's been a really good get and same with Green. And I think it's helped with their synergy as well between Simmons and MB. And they've had issues in the past, but I think, yeah, they're, they're doing really well. What about you? What do you think about their title hopes compared to the rest of the East. Yeah, I was a bit sceptical because the first few games of the Ross, their roster, not the roster, but their schedule was pretty easy at the start. So I swear to question mark, I'm still not sure if they can kind of close out games in the finals as well. So it's kind of how they bounce Simmons and Embiid. Embiid honestly could, you know, be the difference between other teams because, you know, he's, I think he's just getting better and better. And he's honestly, I think sometimes he does go underrated given his antics and everything and when he flops and stuff, but he's actually a really good player and his footwork is pretty much second to none out of the bigs. So they have the potential, we just have to see them perform. And I think they are still an exciting team, but you know, you've got teams with like the Nets and Bucks, which they're, they're pretty good teams as well. So it'll be, it'll be actually pretty good to watch the East this time. And I'm forgetting Celtics too, actually. I think they had a really close game today. They only lost to the Lakers by one point. So the East is actually looking pretty exciting, which has been a few years since they have been that competitive. So we'll see how that goes. But other than that, I mean, who's your kind of point of difference players this year? Who have been your unexpected all-star level players that have, you know, been doing well at the start of the season, Nicks? Yeah, I think like Jalen Brown's a big one. So he's always been like second fiddle to Jason Tatum on the Celtics. But um, this year he's averaging more points and better shooting splits than Jason. And He'll probably be a starter, I reckon, for these guys. And he's a good defender. I think what Celtics have right now is really good with two all-NBA-level players. Um, wing, wing players as well who are really useful and they can guard one to four, which makes a big difference. I think he's probably one of my big unexpected talents this year. 
Uh, another one, Zach Levine, who's just gone crazy. He's averaging 27 points, um, 50, 40, and 80-something splits, which is pretty nice. Um, Zion's also been doing really well, as has Julius Randle and Jeremy Grant. Have you been keeping an eye on, on any of these players recently as well, or see anything? Um, I did see Randle going off for, like, the first few games, and I see Nick's outperformed everyone's expectations of what they had uh, for them. So he's, yeah, he's just playing outstanding basketball. I think like the stats of the points he's putting up pretty unexpected. So I'm not sure how long the streak's going to last for, but you know, better than what everyone thought the Knicks would do out of all the teams. So that's pretty exciting. And I think Zach Levine for a long time has been, you know, working really hard. He's just in a tough team, tough environment where they're not going to win too many games, but um, it's good to see him do well. And obviously Jalen Brown, yeah, people underestimate how good he is. I think like his, his smarts for basketball is really good. And he just adds another dimension to that team. And he, he plays hard. And I think his value is up there with Tatum, honestly. Tatum's still growing, but Jalen Brown as well is doing pretty well too. Yeah, other than that, I guess, you know, what were your thoughts for, if we, if we want to get into the early tips for this NBA season? Like, you know, uh, who do you think will be, you know, the tips for who's going to win the championship? Who's going to be MVP? We'll give the uh, sixth man as well, maybe. What are your thoughts there? Well, probably I'll start by a championship. I reckon Clippers. I think they've finally figured it out with Paul George playing really well. I'm kind of biased towards them because I really like George, but he doesn't really show up in um, playoffs. So that's a wait and see there. In terms of what was the other questions? Rookie of the year, yeah. Melo Ball. And yeah. sixth man, I haven't really given it much thought, to be honest. I haven't, yeah, I'm not too sure with that one. What was the other question? It... Maybe what, what do you reckon about the East Finals and the West Finals? Who do you reckon is going to make it? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I think West Clippers and then East. I reckon it'll be Nets, just because they they'll figure it out. They've got what's the, the matchup you reckon against those teams? Oh, do you mean who they're going to verse in the conference finals? Yeah. I think probably be 76ers versus Nets and Ooh. or Clippers versus Lakers. To Lakers. Yeah. So it'll be all LA and then. Yeah, 76ers could go all the way, but yeah, it's a wait and see. What, what about you? Who do you reckon? Yeah, I'm keen for a, you know, a KD versus LeBron final season as well. We're pretty keen to watch that. I reckon if there's one person to stop LeBron, it's definitely KD. Um, like he did in the past. That'll be like a really good battle. Um, and then Kyrie will obviously want to beat LeBron as well in the tension there. So that'll make a good NBA final season. But yeah, you know, you've got other stories. You've got, you've got Kawhi and PG trying to probably do better than last year. And then Giannis probably needs to prove himself given he got a Supermax contract as well. So it'll be exciting to see how these teams go. And especially he's got Drew Holiday too. So yeah, they, they, they could, you know, they could perform. They could probably get to the finals. You never know. But um, yeah, other than that, MVP... Yeah, Embiid's up there, but I think it is a pretty open race this year. You don't know, because there's so many teams that are balanced right now. A quick shout-out to Steph Curry as well. Honestly, what he's doing is impeccable. And him, like, ageing at that level, I think he's doing similar to what LeBron's doing. So he's doing pretty well too. So we'll see how the season goes. I reckon in a few weeks' time, we'll have more solidified uh, tips. But yeah, it's been good start to the season so far, given that they had a really short break, and we'll see how things go from here on. But yeah, something else that we've all been following, and I mean, it's been huge for us across the summer, is the India versus Australia Test a series. Um, and they had a few ODIs and T20s before as well, but I guess Ashray, step us through kind of what we just witnessed there, and yeah, how that all went. I think this cricket series was uh, a lot of mixed emotions. You went up and down all day, every day, and working from home, I uh, got pretty much nothing done, every single test, just just sitting around. Uh, but before we even get into that, we've actually got a professional cricket 
stat, statistician or whatever you want to call it, in uh, Anesh joining us today. And uh, just quickly give yourself an introduction there. Yeah, thanks guys. I'll, I'll take that. Um, I'll take that title. Um, yeah, I think I add some balance to this. Um, this, <laughs> this video call here. So sorry, this podcast here um, as the only Australian fan, but um, I will be as unbiased as possible, you know, give, give stats that both sides do find interesting. Um, but yeah, I think as an Australian, it was not the way we wanted the series to end. Um, but Otherwise, probably, you know, one of the greatest series of all time. And I did really enjoy watching it. It was, it was definitely a nail-biter. So, yeah, keen to discuss everything that happened. For sure. No, I, I completely agree. Just um, on the edge of my seat all the time. And, yeah, we just we learned a lot about both the Australian cricket team, where they need to improve, and also where the Indian team is doing really well. Um, <laughs> it's, it's starting already, mate. <laughs> but no, nah, I think it was quite well balanced. Uh, the session count was quite well balanced at the end. Um, I think India and Australia won similar amounts of sessions over the course of the test series. So yeah, it was definitely a, a great series to watch. And hopefully we will see a similar series going forward with India and Australia. I think the next one will probably be in India. So India will probably take that one as well. But we'll see that, how that goes. <laughs> but yeah, Shiv, what did you think about the first test in particular? Oh, yeah. I think uh, it was a bit of an anomaly. Like, it was going pretty well. I think I was a bit uh, worried when Prithvi Shaw got out, like, I think first over or something. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. It's just shambles already. And I didn't have much hope in that in that initial moment. But um, I think, yeah, the, one of the biggest game changers, yeah, definitely was that Kohli Rahane run out. Because, honestly, I think we could have probably won that first test as well if Kohli kept going. Because he, honestly, I reckon we made 100 that first game. Mm. Um, he was just looking looking in good shape and then yeah I think we I think we actually were playing cricket that day when India got rolled out for 36 and uh, <laughs> after that there wasn't much cricket to watch um, even Joe Burns made runs and that's that's yeah. not not you know too much yeah. not too convincing of any batsman to make runs there in that circumstances so mm. we just collapsed and I think um, I've been watching a few insights into like you know what the Indian team was doing and like how Ravi Shastri the Indian captain oh Indian coach kind of riled the the team up again so they really picked themselves up from that first test I think it was just just pure brilliance from the from Kummer and Hazelwood to kind of you know run through that Indian team especially with Kohli Rohane I think um, as anyone who would have watched the test series that first team that we had was nothing like that team the same team we had in the fourth test so for them to kind of just roll them out for 36 I think that was just definition of that test match and it just mm -hmm. kind of there was no chance of India getting back into it so yeah, I think yeah. most of things revolved around that, that that inning specifically. Yeah, I think me and Nesh were on top of Crota Mountain and Tassie when uh, India were getting rolled. And it was he just saw the emotion fall out of my face and just uh, made, made sure he, he roasted me the whole time. <laughs> so it was I probably the worst thing. I was so nice. I actually didn't even roast you. I was you so nice. You provoked me. Uh, okay, mate. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was like, it's all right, bro. I was like, don't worry. I was consoling no. him. I was yeah. like, don't worry, just Thanks, yeah. 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 Thanks for being a nice bloke, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get bullied, mate. Three Indians on one hours here. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Don't, don't blame makeup shit. I was so nice. I, remember watching, I was like, nah, I don't want to bully you. Nah, it's all good. But yeah, honestly, that Kohli run out was a game changer. I think we lost like 17 wickets for like 90 odd runs after that moment in, in the rest of that test. So yeah, it was a huge moment. But the second innings was just not warranted at all. No excuses, just shit batting all around, to be honest. 
what was um I guess what was everyone's initial thoughts after that first test finished? Like what were your predictions after that first test and what was kind of your perspective on the whole series from uh, in that instance, I guess? I actually honestly I didn't think that we were like hugely on top or anything because we still hadn't made 200. We made 190 in or 180. We got rolled for 190 in the first innings and it didn't look like our batting was strong and I knew that like that was an anomaly and that if India could, you know, just bat normally, like our batting was probably more of a problem than you guys. So I was still pretty worried and Smitty hadn't really turned up as well. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't crazy confident. It was like a, it was like a good, it felt like, you know, we just had a handicap really. We just came, we kind of started the series 1-0, but yeah, I was still pretty worried, I remember. Yeah. Going into the rest of the series. You take your best batsman out of the side, it's usually tough to win. So I honestly thought that if we can't win that first test, is how, who's going to step up and make runs in the next three tests? And it was good to see that Rahane punt toward the end as well. People started stepping up all around. Well, the whole team really started stepping up. So it was good to see that India could do that. Uh, but yeah, I was initially quite worried after that first test. <laughs> Getting rolled for 36 isn't good. And all, all the like the Pakistanis on ESPN Creek Info were just digging into the Indians and it's yeah, it's it's not it's not a good sign when you say that to be honest. Right, the same Pakistani fans after the fourth test were like, "Oh, we love India, unbelievable." <laughs> uh, it's it's actually a joke. The ESPN Creek Info comments it's an absolute joke on Facebook. <laughs> the shit mate. people say. <laughs> what about you, Nixie? What were your thoughts after that oh, first test? Bro, I was like a pessimist straight away. In a pessimist, I'm like, I'm not watching the rest of the series. We're done for, but. To be honest, we only lost like two sessions, I think, throughout the whole yeah. whole test match. And yeah, as Anesh mentioned, only 190 was made by the Australian squad. And the batting looked pretty abysmal, except for the second innings where even Joe Burns run ride and made a 50. Probably worst Australian batsman at the moment in the national team. But um, that was our strongest team and we got rolled for 36. And then we were about to lose our best batsman. It looked pretty grim, but we pulled through in the end, so... Yeah, I was. I, I still switched on the TV and watched, but wasn't wasn't great. What about you, Shit? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, I think we, like Asher mentioned as well. When when we lost Coley, I think it was a bit up, like worrying that I'm not sure how well we do in the next few Test matches. But I think I think as Inesh mentioned as well, Australia's batting has been. I guess it did turn out to be pretty disappointing, other than Manus and Smitty. So. Uh, I think I had a bit of faith in our, our bowling lineup. We've been doing better and better every season or every series. So yeah, I had some hopes to it, but I mean, I just thought, you know, when, when the Australian bowls are on, you can't do much, especially when they're hitting those spots as well. So um, it was just unexpected, but you know, you still have hope there was three more tests after that as well. So yeah, we, I guess just expected India to bounce back one way or another. And then, yeah, we kind of obviously shifted gears into the second test and um Give us, give us a snapshot there, Ashley. We were all there on day, day. day one as well. Uh, yeah. Mate, I'm probably not the best to ask for a snapshot. I, I, don't, I don't remember anything after lunch, I think. I had a few too many. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a good, good start to the day. I just remember toward the end, Shubman Gill came on. Um, yeah. And uh, me and Shaz were just absolutely yelling our lungs out, uh, saying, yeah, Gilly. And everybody around us was just staring at us. Staring at us. But uh, we had a good time. Um, but I'm probably not the best to ask much about day one. Anybody sober that day? It doesn't look like it, eh? No. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember too much of day one, actually. Not going to lie. But I remember <laughs> that one spell that Australia had at the end against Gill and 
Yeah, whoever else was the opener, pretty sure. Probably. <laughs> no, I think it was Agarwal, yeah, actually. Agarwal, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. spell was honestly pretty scary to face with the amount of errors that they had left as well. And yeah. Agarwal just got done, I think, first over again. Uh, I might not have been yeah. first over, but it got done by Saki with that probably in-swinging yoker he had. I don't remember exactly the ball, but he got LB, I remember. Yeah. Agarwal didn't have too great of a series either. The quiet, but it kind of gave the opportunity for... Gill and Rochama to make a mark as well. Rochama's a bit more established, I guess, but um, no, good to see that there's a bit more depth at the top of the order as well. But we'd love to see Prithvi Shaw get another go eventually. Uh, I think he's good. He just got probably a, a bit of technique yeah. issues that he can fix over time. He's only 2021. 20, what was your perspective in Nish there? That, if you remember that first, first innings, because you guys got rolled out in one day. First innings, yeah, I don't yeah. remember too much. I just remember wickets kept falling and <laughs> I was getting more and more drunk. But um, I think after Smitty got out to Ashwin, that was, yeah, my heart just sank. And then I remember Wade just threw his wicket away like he did pretty much every innings. Like after he'd get himself in, he'd throw, he'd throw his wicket away. And that was the start. I think that was like one of the first times he just threw his wicket away, ran down the ground and just skied it. Um, and then he did the same thing again next test. So, yeah, it was it was pretty disappointing to see. Um, yeah, I don't remember too much of the second innings either. I think we got rolled pretty, not for not too many, like 200-ish. And then, yeah, you guys chased it down with... Eight, eight to spare, I think. Yeah, eight, eight, yeah, eight wickets spare. I think, yeah, that, that game was just... Ajinkya Hane's 100, that was the, the thing that kind of separated both teams. No one else in India really made runs as well. I think it was just Shubman Gill's knock. Of fifty odd, um, Jadeja actually made runs that that day too. Oh, yep, yep. Tawag, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, did way a bit, but he yeah, yeah. batted really well that game. I remember because we were, I think, after Rohani got out, we were still, you know, didn't have that many runs on the board, um, and he he hadn't played the first test as well. So for him to come come in and start making runs from the first uh, first first test he was in, and he's been averaging, I think, his average across the past few years has been really good. Definitely above forty-five, if I recall something, something that you don't expect from a like you know number seven batsman. So honestly, if he wasn't injured, I think he would have been you know he would have made India much more strong because he's just such a valuable asset. Even when he bowled, he was pretty good that series as well. I'm pretty sure he took a few wickets. So mm-hmm. that knock was pretty important to actually set us up for that for that whole Test match. But Cam Green was huge in that second Australia's second innings as well. Uh, like gutsy, like, the top order didn't do too much, um, and he came out batted for. I think about 150 odd balls with Camo and yeah, how good's Camo and it got a lot talking about Camo. I think it was like 20 odd off 100, 110 balls. Um, yeah. Coming from a number eight, that's a quality, quality knock. <laughs> I mean, he, he's actually being serious and sarcastic. Shit. He's been quite uh, shit serious with that recently. Um, yeah, I remember you know, last he year he hit that 60 odd against you guys. He's yeah, that was quality. Those um, that straight drive, I still remember that straight drive down down the ground. Yeah, oh, beautiful. But he can bat, yeah, he can hold a bat. He just hasn't been making runs. But, yeah, I mean, I don't really care. I don't care if he makes runs or not, as long as he just bowls like he keeps bowling. So it doesn't really matter too much to me. Yeah, he bowls a treat. So hard to face back, Cummins. Yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on um, India's ability to just bounce back after getting rolled for 36? Like, um, the captaincy and the coaching. What do you guys reckon? I think it was huge. Um, Probably... A big part of it was to do with Ravi Shastri just kind of drilling it into the team that they're a good side and they can bounce back. And I think the the 
the room sort of been quite up and about, even though they got rolled for 36 in, in that first test. So it was probably all a mental thing because honestly, like if you get rolled for 36, it doesn't mean you're a bad team. You just you had a bad day. So as long as they knew that, uh, I think uh, they were on the right track to make runs. So uh, probably a leadership and coach thing uh, that really drove India to do well in that second test. Uh, but yeah, huge bounce back, to be honest. I was watching like, um, I think it was one of Ashwin's videos. He's got a big YouTube channel, Ravi Ashwin, apparently. Um, but he was just saying that after they got rolled out for 36, they didn't train the day after. They honestly took some time off. Because um, if they trained at that point, I think they'd just be like too emotional. They wouldn't be training with the right purpose, or they'd just be trying to fix all their mistakes up. So it's just, I think there's a lot to do with leadership and their captaincy. I kind of just put them through and the coaches that, you know, work hard to get that yeah. mindset back as well. Because it's definitely a mental thing for them to bounce back against the best bowling attack in the, in the world. And then for yeah, Rahane to make that knock as captain as well, pretty special. What were your guys' thoughts with, uh, there's, a, I guess, a very controversial question with Rahane being a better captain for India than Kohli. And people were just like, I think obviously a few bandwagoners, but a few people were like, oh, he's got to be the captain now. Kohli's not fit. What were your thoughts with that? You know, big question. I think... He's still undefeated. Yeah, he's undefeated as captain. And he seems just way more calm on the field. Kind of like, even like tactically, I remember like a lot of commentators were saying like his field placements throughout throughout the test matches were just on point. He just never seemed like they were really out of the game or Australia could, could get on top, like he'd change things up. Um, and yeah, just his calmness and like even remember, I remember when he got run out after he did his hundred as well. Um, Abijah Deja he just didn't he just didn't care. He just like patted him on the back, walked off, and not as not as I guess crazy on the field maybe or gets as mad as his plays. Yeah, no, it's definitely a different team when Kali's out of it and when Rahane is skipper. Uh, you just feel the dynamic change completely. It, yeah, it's quite crazy. Uh, what did you guys think about Shubman Gill? This the first couple, uh, for second test in particular, that's when he made his debut. Surely so you, really, you wouldn't have yeah, a bit of spew here. <laughs> no, nah, he's really shot happy. <laughs> no, nah, he loves his shots. Like, I think having that aggressive batsman at the top is really valuable. Like, what Warner does for Australia, but more consistently, uh, having someone like that at the top would be so good. <laughs> having Sharma and Gil up there is asking, asking for trouble, but uh, if they can make it work, I think it'll be great. Or if they can find someone that's more of like a Chet Pujara that time kind of bloke, uh, I think it would be huge for India to have an aggressive player like Gil right, right up the top. I actually like the combo though. I think the aggressive mindset is actually pretty good. Gil, even though he's aggressive, I think he was kind of middling a lot of his shots. Like he looked yeah. solid, like he looked proper solid for someone that yeah. just came into like his first or second test. And Rohit Sharma, bro, I think he's he's a gun bat. Like he's always, under, like I guess sometimes people just expect to do a lot because he's a freaking ODI, but if he just you know works hard, he's honestly probably our second best bat after Coley in test yeah. matches. Nah, so huge call, I huge call. Maybe Coley, Pujara, yeah. and then Rohit Sharma, given his experience and tenure. Yeah. But he, he, just, averages, he doesn't perform, yeah. he's averages, yeah. If you look at stats, obviously, yeah. no, but I'm just saying pure talent. It's actually not too bad, like he averages nearly 50, but it's just he averages. Um, like 90 in India and like 30 outside of India. So he just can't perform overseas in tests, but at home yeah. he just dominates. But mm. yeah, I think pure talent wise, he, if he works harder, he could probably be a really good test batsman. Yeah, like bloke's 32 strong. or 33 now. So yeah, he's probably on his way out. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is we have the one, Kale Rahul. Oh. So it's always been competitive. There hasn't been like time for him to just them to focus yeah. on Sharma as a test batsman, but he's good at one day. 
But yeah, I think that dynamic actually works pretty well. And Gil honestly seems like a solid bat. Yeah, he, um, he can be the next too worrying. number four. He did seem too worrying as an opener. Yeah. I wasn't too like right. I, I knew he'd make runs. Yeah, and he did a few games, especially in the last right. test as well. But yeah, we'll yeah get he to made later. he made thirty plus in every innings except one. I think I think he made mm. he got got out for seven, um, in that third test. But yeah, just looked reliable at the top, which is which is great. But yeah, another huge thing that we probably haven't even mentioned yet is, or first test we lose Shami, don't have a yeah. a, a fourth seamer. Yeah, I think it was fourth seamer for the second innings, and then same thing happens in the second test with the other going out. Don't have a a, a fourth spinner, a fourth seamer for uh, the second innings either. So it's just India's just was on the back foot the whole time, and I think it speaks to the the attitude that they had to still just fight and get through it, which is yeah something that you got to respect. That's what the old Indian teams never really had. They were too soft. They uh, never really had that fight in them. Um, but it's good to see it's finally coming about. And I think as much as Kohli's aggressive, I think it's his aggression plays a big part in the way the Indian team's gone over the past two, three years, or even longer, actually, probably five, six years. Great aggression. Great I quality. think those, those first two tests, I think Ashwin was pretty big as well. Because honestly, mm-hmm. no, I don't think a lot of people were expecting him to you know, strategically do that well. Kind of made Steve Smith his bunny, essentially, for those first few test matches. So... That was big, given that we were losing so many seam bowlers as well. Um, for yeah. him to perform was pretty good. Given that Nathan sure. Lyon didn't have a good series and Ashwin did, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and I would love to talk about Nathan Lyon and, and Mitchell Stark. And I honestly reckon the reason we didn't win the third test and the fourth test, pretty much 90% of it lies on both of them. Like, inability to take 10 wickets in both of those games yeah. is what pretty much... In the fourth the innings as well. Yeah, in the fourth innings, yeah. After you, after your batsman, you know, make runs, Smithy made a hundred in, in a third test, and you know you expect to be able to to get ten wickets in one and a half days on a fourth day pitch, um, and yeah, it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, people can talk about it. the pitch didn't degrade enough, but I mean, Lyon was average, averaged fifty five across the series with a strike rate of one hundred and twenty four, and that's just. Yeah, disgusting. I think the, the second lowest was about 76. So, his, yeah, his strike rate was just horrendous. Um, so, I think there's definitely some problems there that Australia need to look into in, in our inability to take 10 wickets. We can't just be relying on two bowlers for, you know, the whole 90 overs of an innings. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah, like and- a, a question for you, Anesh, there. Um, I think with the day four, day five situation, especially with Australia trying to bowl India out, and this happened obviously, I think, over two, three tests. Um, do you think that also falls on pain as a captain to kind of, you know, do something different? Because that's what I was wondering. Like, I know, Ashley, obviously, you've been a captain as well, mate, so you can chip in. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Best captain really that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, I was wondering if, you know, if you guys think pain could have done something different with his fielding, changes or maybe being more strategically thinking in a house to get them out or even bring in and I also heard you know people say uh, Labuschagne and Cameron Green getting more of a shot in those last few days to try something different what were your thoughts there in terms of yeah that not just being line and stark but you know also Payne's responsibility I think for sure that's like a little bit of a a little bit of blame kind of lies on Tim Payne um that he just didn't seem like he had a lot of options whereas you know if you've seen like Michael Clark, captain in the past, like he would try everything and he was 
tactically always putting off the batsmen, trying to get them on the back foot, just changing things up. You can't just let the batsmen get settled. And it seemed like India, even even though like there was so many overs left with like Vihari and Ashwin batting in that third test, it just seemed like they weren't going to get out. It really didn't seem like they were. And and like yeah, a little bit of that is on Tim Payne. I think the short ball tactics were way overused. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you expect your spinner to take wickets, like just with the ball and getting getting you know stuff to happen. And Lyon wasn't doing that. And Stark, I don't think he swung the ball from really the third test onwards. Like maybe the first two tests a little bit, but after that, you didn't see him swing the ball at all. So I think that also kind of really limited his op- options. He really only had two bowlers to go with. Um, so yeah, it's not all on Tim Payne, but I don't think he's probably the best strategic strategically and tactically minded person on the field surely there's someone else we can turn to and and maybe give them the give them the captaincy i was gonna say you reckon smithy should take the captaincy back um i don't know to be honest like that's a good question i feel like i feel like it just doesn't look right uh, I, and and maybe this is my Pat Cummins fanboy coming out, but <laughs> yeah. I honestly think Pat Cummins should be captain. Like if you hear him talk, he's a smart boy. He's a smart lad, and the fact that he knows how to set up batsmen, you know, over the, the course of a day, over the course of five six balls, he he can think strategically enough to get wickets, and that's all that's all that really matters. And like yeah, I don't know why a bowler being a captain is such a big deal. Like if he's if he knows cricket, and if he's a good leader, and if he performs, that's he ticks all the boxes. Just give him the captaincy. Yeah, no, fair call. I like Kamo too, good lad. <laughs> That's my input there, Nick Skitton. I was going to mention um, Labuschagne. Um, he he make, took a couple of three fears in the BBL and Payne didn't even give him a run. So, yeah, I was wondering why why he didn't do that. What are your thoughts about that, not playing another spinner? As, as well um, as Smith as well, who could could have bowled a couple of overs here or there. No, Smith bowled half like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. I think Labuschagne should have got more of a bowl than he did. Especially um I think I think to punt, especially like there was there was some rough outside of that left handers yeah. crease. And yeah, that would have been great for Labashane to just put it in there and just, you know, make it do stuff. But I mean he does also bowl half trackers once in a while and I think he was I think Tim Payne was just a bit too he was a bit too conservative. He was a bit too scared to take yeah. risks. But then that ended up kind of yeah, being the downfall because Batsman just got too comfortable, and sometimes you do have to take risks when you, you need to take ten wickets and you got two shit bowlers. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard one. No, I think there's quite a lot that came out of it for the Aussies. That was something to look forward to, like Puck coming out and hitting sixty on debut was huge. Uh, unfortunately, he got injured, but I think he's he showed a lot. Uh, has the temperament to to be a Test batsman, and he's what twenty one or twenty two. So. Like, uh, there's so much to look forward to there. Not even Puck. We've got Cam Green, who had a quality knock in that third test to set a good lead for, for the Aussies, uh, which which was also huge. And he can also bat time, and he plays that V so well. Straight bat all, all day, every day, which is good to see in a 21, 22-year-old uh, pairing. Yeah, those long levers. Oh, God. Those <laughs> sixes that he was hitting oh. in that... In that- Third match, yeah, those those are crazy. Yeah. Um, him and Gully as well. Yeah, him and Gully. I don't think I saw anything get through him that whole series. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. He's just Doesn't such a utility to the team. Like you know, yeah. he, he can bowl ten overs in innings, and and you know he's he's still he's just walking in when he runs up. Like if he can actually get his body right, um, maybe start taking some wickets. But 
yeah, at number six, he really does look like the real deal. He can he can bat time, and when he wants to turn it on, he can turn it on as well. Um, I think yeah, just I think we just need to give him time, like not rush either him or Puck. Just give him as much time as possible. They both have the ability to play, and I know it's just a mental thing. So yeah, hopefully just give them the time and they'll get there. But yeah, again, like I think if you look at the over, the whole series, and you look at those key moments, India just seemed to win every single key moment. And that was just a consistent factor across the whole series. And I think one of the most, like one of the ways you can see that was also through the batting partnerships, where if you look at the top five partnerships of the whole test series, India had four of the five. And then if you look at, if you look at the top runs and if you look at the top wickets, it, the top two are Australian, but then you look at the next three or four players and they're all Indian. So it was just a, yeah, a two, three, I mean, a three or four man team for Australia across the whole series. And, yeah, that's what's been really disappointing. I think that we weren't able to come together as a team like India had. And I think that's, yeah, really what set them apart. And you guys took it away. I think that's been a consistent theme for a while. It's just been on Manus and Smithy for a couple of series now. And we saw that even when when they uh, when Smithy and Warner were out, the, the Australian team really struggled. So there's probably something that needs to be filled there where Smithy and well, where your two best batsmen are out, there's no depth. So... No, there needs to be some improvement there for sure. But yeah, no, good good signs for Cam Green and Puck. But you, I think honestly, Manus was a huge win again this series. His back-to-back series is, I think, top scored for Australia. I think top scored this series and last series as well. Manus, 30 plus, 40 plus every single innings, I think. But maybe had one bad innings, but he did what he needed to do every single time. And that's what you need at number three. Yeah, he averaged 53, I think. And mm. by far the most runs. Yeah, the whole series, um, especially sure. when Smitty wasn't performing, he was the only one that kind of really did perform for them and made those runs. But yeah, it's it's really interesting to see. I think it's been a long time since Australia's had you know two youngsters with such talent. I I can't really name anyone in the past few years other than you know like Puck and Cam Green right now. So it'd be good to see how those sure. guys go and how they build a team around those two because I'm pretty sure a lot of them are old right now, uh, at least reaching thirty. I guess even despite dark times, it's still pretty exciting to see where they go from here. I was just going to say, there's a few really good discoveries across the whole series. Like, Mohamed Siraj coming in and, you know, pretty much being the, the strike key bowler after the second test, the third test, after Boomer was out, and stepping up. And I think he's probably better than Yadav and, you know, could give Ishan Sharma a run for his money as well and come in as one of those, those three bowlers for you guys with um, Shami and Boomer. And, yeah, he just hits the right channels, can swing the ball a little bit, can seam it, and, yeah, just did everything right, I felt. And then I guess there was Shubman Gilg, yeah, obviously. We've already talked about him, just a, just a gun. Uh, oh, Shadu Taku and, and Washington. Uh, yeah, Washington Sundar. Just, Washington Sundar was just like Jadeja incarnated. Batted just as good, you know, took wickets as well. And Shadu Taku took four far and, yeah, made it really, really important contribution with the bat as well. I think that partnership pretty much was the game winner in that fourth test match between the, those two new debutants. And the fact that these two new blokes can just come in um, without playing any cricket, pretty much net bowlers and, and yeah, turn up at in Australia, in a country that, you know, they've probably never been to with a really hostile, well. apparently racist crowd as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it does, does really speak. It to, does I not guess, make sense. At all. Yeah, it doesn't like, make sense. The best, like the honestly, the best bowling lineup in the world, and two oh. new debutants come in. It just it doesn't add up at all. Surprising. Yeah. 
It's really yeah, it was really crazy. I think it, it speaks to just like the resilience of the Indian team. And yeah. I don't know what they're doing, honestly. Just mentally, they just seem like they just give no fucks. They're like, nah, <laughs> don't care. Pat Cummins, fuck you. I'll cart you around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no fucks. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's good to watch. Yeah. yeah. Now, nah, shout out to Rahul Dravid as well. Honestly, like these, I think Washington Sunda, I think a lot of those blokes are from the 19 teams as well. I think they're coming through. And they're all pretty young blokes still. So, and India's been doing pretty well in the Under-19 World Cups too. They won the last one with Shaw and Gill. And there's just the amount of talent that India has. It's, it's insane. We can probably have two or three, you know, teams, just even for our test team, honestly, at this point. But yeah, it's not, I mean, we shouldn't get carried away. But I think it's, it's yeah, a lot of prospect and talent there. Well, I think with Puck and Green for the Aussies, and we've mentioned Gill already, but Rishabh Pant's coming into something is going to become something great as well. He's already had a few series, but he's still 22, I think. So he's getting that experience under his belt and he'll only grow and become better. He's, he lacked temperament earlier on. And I think he still has those moments where he'll have a brain fade, but as long as it goes down over time, he's only going to get better. And, uh, and his counter attacking 97 in that first innings. Sorry. Uh, I think it was a third test. I forgot which innings it was. Yeah. The last test. innings. Yeah. On the last, yeah, last innings. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It was absolutely yeah. outrageous. He, he turned Almost the game. Like yeah. yeah. Turned yeah. the game to India's favor out of nowhere. Without his knock, I don't think the rest of the batsmen would have uh, had the same mindset going into their innings. Uh, they, they wouldn't have been as close. But yeah, that, that Vihari injury really turned the, turned the game as well. If uh, Who knows if, if he didn't get injured. Yeah, he would have probably played some more uh, rash shots trying to go for, go for the win. But yeah, it was just, I think India were in the game quite well when uh, Rishabh Pant got out and uh, Vihari came in. So nah, huge, huge third test. And uh, huge things to take out, as you said, Nesh, Siraj, Gill, Punt, and then Cam Green and Puck as well. But yeah, fourth test was huge as well. Come on, like Sundar and Taku. I think Taku took seven far and made about 70 runs for the test. And what really amazed me was there's like probably three or four blokes that could have won the man of the match for that fourth test. Rishabh Punt's huge knock at the end to, to win the game. Sundar taking four for in that first. I think I think four for over the test and making about 80, 90 odd. And that, even that second, that last innings, that 20 odd he made was huge yeah, with Rishabh Punt. Yeah, we, if he didn't do that and Taco didn't, we would have been straight to the tail. We've got three number 11s <laughs> from at the bottom. So a uh, huge knock from Sunda as well. Obviously, Punt's innings was huge. So there's so many blokes that could have won it, including Gil with that 90 odd that he made. Uh, but yeah, I think that speaks to what you were saying earlier, Nesh. There's so many people that can step up and shine in moments that matter. And I think that's just what won India that series and that that game, uh, that fourth test in particular. I think each person had something to prove, like some, you know, something that they contributed. I think that's what was a big difference compared to India and Australia. Like you could probably mm-hmm. go through the whole Indian yeah Indian lineup and you could probably pick out each person like what they do this series and they did you know something pretty big. And sure. I think it came together in that last fourth test as well which I think was probably the difference as to why, why India ended up winning as well. I think, yeah, we could talk about Rishabh Pant for a while as well, just in how good a series he had as, you know, yeah, coming in at number, number six, number seven, batting the way he did in both of those fourth innings. And yeah, he, he averages 87 in the fourth innings, which is ridiculous. Oh, which is one of the, I think, I mean, I mean, he's only had a few five innings, but like there's not many players that average even over, over 40 or 50 in the fourth innings because it is, it is the hardest time to bat. So, that's yeah, a crazy statistic and averages 62 in Australia as well, you know, in arguably one of the hardest places to bat. So yeah, that's yeah, absolutely crazy. And 
he's only 23. So, yeah, going to be the new Gilly, I reckon. Yeah, I think the closest to Gilly since Gilly. I said it after the third test, and honestly, we thought Quinton de Kock would get there, but I think Rashad Pant will give uh, Gilly a run for his money with that the best wicketkeeper batsman. <laughs> the whole time, oh, if, if he can, if he continues, mate, thousand. He's made a thousand runs already at twenty-three, and well, I'm not too sure how many Gilly made. Do you know how many Gilly made over his career? Like seven or eight I think his keeping skills still has a nah, long way to go. But sure. I think yeah, he shouldn't cop slack, slack for it. I think mm-hmm. it just it's a matter of him growing as well. Blake's Blake's been working hard to get into this team. I think it's hard to kind of knock him down this early. And he's been copying a lot of criticism from the media as well. Sure. The Indian media is ruthless. So, yeah, I think obviously to compare him to Gilly is a, is a big ask. But I think he'll get there. So he, if his keeping gets there as well, he can. Because his yeah, batting is he's pure talent. Like He could yeah. you could just be a yeah a pure batsman if you guys need. You know, like yeah. doesn't even need to keep really. I would have yeah, him in. honestly what I thought. Batsman. Yeah. I thought they would put Saha in as the keeper and then keep Pant as a specialist batsman. And I think we didn't touch on that, but I think where one of the innings where Pan got injured, was that the, the third test or the fourth test? Um, I think it was the third test, actually, where he got, he got injured. So Saha actually was a sub-fielder, the sub-keeper. And it worked in our favour so well, because Saha actually took a few catches as well. Good catches. It could be a, yeah, an edgy rule, but I think it worked really well because Pan just batted, and I think that helped us a lot. You should just get injured every single match in after the, <laughs> get Saha in as a sub. I think one more thing we didn't probably touch on is Pujara as well. He has two knocks in the second innings. Both the third test and fourth test were pretty big because when you've got someone attacking like like Pant from the other end, yeah. that stability he had and the wall that he was for both those tests were big. And I think just to yeah. wear down the Australian bowlers because their workload was already really high. And just to have Pujara there to just, you know, get through all those deliveries that he faced, kind of, I think, just wore those Australian bowlers down, which I think when Payne especially isn't using Green and Labashain as much, that was big for India. Yeah, with wearing the bowlers down as well. I think what we haven't really spoken about is the Australia's bowlers were consistent that whole series. And uh, <laughs> I think it was a blessing in disguise that India got four fresh or three fresh bowlers for that end of the series, even though they had, I think, 13 wickets to 1,013 or whatever that stat was when it came out. I think it was a blessing in disguise. Aussies hadn't really seen these new bowlers before either. And they were all fresh and you could see that the Aussies were getting worn down toward the end of that last test. Other than Camo, everybody else wasn't doing their job. And just that's why we really got to respect Camo as well. Just comes in, does his job consistently. And yeah, not another reason why he should be skipper. Yeah, I think he was, I mean, probably yeah, one of the silver linings of the series for us really. Like pretty much asserted himself at the top of the test rankings again. Just dominated with the ball, averaged about 20-odd. And I think he bowled the most overs as well, other than Nathan Lyon as well, which is crazy because yeah. yeah, just a workhorse, just a stallion. And yeah, just relentless, just never drops off in quality as well. And he always takes the big wickets. He's always taking your Coley's, your Pajaras. And yeah, it's just consistent. Uh, I think overall, probably one of the best series I've ever watched. Uh, it's probably because uh, India won at the end of the day, but even emotions and the quality of cricket uh, was quite high. I thought at least so definitely a, a good series and I would put this up there with the feeling I felt after India won be up there with uh, winning a premiership I don't know what that feels like but um, <laughs> I think I was it, was it was just this I was just over the moon for about two or three days straight it's just like this this feeling that I've never really felt before 
and I'm just assuming that's what a premiership feels like. So, um, Shiv, <laughs> how did you feel? Did you, do you think the series win was up there with Geelong's 2011 flag? Uh, no, we'd won 07 and 09 before that, so yeah. uh, <laughs> so you got used to it already. So yeah, that was like that's all right. But yeah, yeah, I think this what this one is so much it? bigger than the the um other Border Gavaskar trophy that we won, or yeah. we didn't even win that series, but we drew it. It was tainted. Um, that that last one was tainted, and this one is rightfully ours. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's the Australia, like you know that we they can't really say Australian fans can't really say anything. They have a full like full team, yeah. full strength, mm. playing at home mm. for tests as well with the depleting Indian team. Like the odds are definitely in your favour, and they still lost. So I think yeah. that's that's why it's so convincing. This whole series, for sure. For sure. and all the and stories. Hopefully. There's so many amazing stories as well from the series. Mm. Yeah, it was just an amazing series to watch. I think, it was, yeah, the roller coaster. And yeah, I was clenching my asshole pretty much the whole time. It's a, it a great contest between bat and ball as well. There's only three hundreds across the whole series, which is pretty crazy, you know, especially when, you know, the 2014 series, Smith and Coley both had four apiece. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy to see something like that happen as well. I think the pitchers probably played a part in just really quality bowling. But yeah, it's one of the greatest of all time series and it's going to be hard to top. I also think it is the beginning of the Asian century. The great cricket has been talking about this, but yeah, it's, it's the century of the brown and the yellow man, I think. All the, I, don't, I don't think we're actually going to see any other team other than India do well for the next 100 years. That's my call, big call. Huge That's the call I've made. <laughs> no, but we're, we're to here for, for both teams. World Test Championships on the table. India up against England now in India. Um, still not guaranteed a spot, and Aussies up against a... A mediocre South Africa team who haven't been all that great over the past couple of years. Where do you think for both teams? Do you reckon India and Australia will fight it off for that World Test Championship final? It's in England, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think that'll be honestly the best thing. A neutral yeah. ground uh, with hopefully India's best team back and Aussies fix some holes uh, after that South Africa series, see what the, if they unearth some new gems. But yeah, I think it'll be amazing if India and Australia converse each other uh, in, at Lords in, I think, middle of. Middle of this year, actually. Yeah, I think though it's a bit, it's a little unlo- more, a lot more unlikely so, now because we'll have to win in South Africa and we have to win at least two tests, and then also kind of not lose one. And if we do lose one, a lot of things have to go our way, like India lose most of their tests, and isn't looking likely. I think most likely at the moment is India New Zealand, but yeah, who knows what could happen. Yeah, and India got rolled in New Zealand. I think it was three nil last time we went there, which was huge. So hopefully that doesn't happen again, even if it's India New Zealand at the end. But now I would love to watch India Australia in the final. India isn't cemented in that championship final yet. They still need to beat England yep. who are quite tough. I think they need to beat them. Uh, I think they need to win at least two tests or three tests. I forgot what, after that lot, the fourth test yeah, in Australia, um, I think those figures changed a bit, but they need to win at least two tests at the end of the day. So yeah, it'll still be huge if India can pull it off. It'll be a good year for, for for Indian supporters. Yeah, but India in I mean India versus England in India, I think it surely yeah. you'd back them there. Um, you would hope so. But yeah, I mean I I assume Australia wouldn't do too bad against South Africa. Do you actually honestly don't rate their chances that much, Anesh? Uh, it's not that I don't. Uh, I think that we could. I think that we can win the series. Just looking at the South African team at the moment, they don't look like they have really any batting stocks, other than probably Faf and you know. The cock can turn up once in a while, but yeah, no one consistent. But I don't know if we can go without losing a match, and I think that's 
the current in the current scenario we do have to kind of I think we have to yeah not yeah avoid any losses so that's going to be really hard um yeah who knows if if we turn up we we do have a much stronger team than usual I think just like with Lava Shane in as a as another bat for Smithy it's going to be good um and Pukowski in there is going to be hopefully good and our bowling yeah I, I just don't think that Mitchell Stark I honestly don't think he should get a game in South Africa um I reckon getting James Paddinson or Jai Richardson or Michael Nizo even just someone that does something with the ball and can bowl consistent areas yeah he was just spraying it at the end of that series so yeah I, I yeah I'm a little bit worried about that but yeah, it's going to take a lot for us to win that series and not lose a match. So, yeah, I'm not what about to... Warner? Because Warner honestly was probably Australia's second best bat, and he's just gone under the radar, unspoken of. Yeah, do you think that groin injury is still affecting him? Yeah, I think he, he played two matches, and yeah, his groin injury was still affecting him. Like you could see the whole time. Obviously, yeah, he yeah he didn't play his best with a bat, but he only needed to go back last year when he hit 300 against Pakistan and had like a huge summer. So, I think he still got it. Oh, he did good in the IPL as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he had a good series in the IPL. So, yeah, I don't think you can just count him out from one series. But, yeah, if we do have all three of those firing, I think it's going to, yeah, increase our chances. Uh, Yep, thanks. Thank you, Anesh, for joining us on this show. It's it's been a uh, quite an insightful chat about the cricket and good good stats that you brought out there, which is always great to hear, but a better chat. Uh, That's pretty much it from... The cricket point of view for the rest of the, the podcast season we'll hop back onto some footy some more focus on that with footy season i think about a month away uh which i'm really keen for uh, i think it's been a huge draft period for some of the teams and huge trade period as well so definitely things to look forward to next year but yeah thanks for joining us on the first episode of season two of the expert couch potatoes hosted by three sports fanatics discussing everything sports and to the love of the game we'll see you next time